while we play a game. What is with me space? Ah, ah, ah. You didn't say the magic word. Ah, ah, ah. The files are in the computer? We're only using a simple polyphonetically grouped 20 square digit key transpose from booster phonic form with multiple nulls. After very careful consideration, sir, I've come to the conclusion that your new defense system sucks. So the combination is one, two, three, four, five. So it's a code breaker. No, it's the code breaker. Welcome, everyone, to the latest edition of the... These voices are, they never get old. <laughs> Welcome to the CyberTap. Mike, how the heck are you, sir? Let's see. Two weeks ago was Disconcerting Signals. Whatever that means. This week, it's high-stepping because it's most offensive. <laughs> if you're not tracking Purdue yeah. Sports, um, two of the dumbest calls I've ever seen. And since we're not affiliated with the athletic teams, we can blame the officials for how bad Yes, we are. can. Absolutely atrocious. Trash. Yeah, it's the the NCAA is now worse than the No Fun League. <laughs> I mean, the NFL. In penalizing for celebrations and taking a touchdown off the yep. board for a celebration because a 20-year-old kid high-stepped his way to the end zone. Give me a break. Yeah. And then there's people out there, well, I know the rules. It's just lack of discipline under the bromare. Man, gr- get out. Get out of my face. Get off Twitter. You're terrible. You're terrible. Can't got to let these kids have some. But we won this last game. We did. Uh, you would have liked to have seen a little more dominance No, in I don't that care segment. about dominance at this I do. point. I, I do. care about getting the dub and Purdue football won, Purdue men's basketball. Yeah, Iowa, Minnesota didn't go the way we want, so... Yeah, we're outside. We got need a little help to win the Big Ten From West, but one and nine Nebraska, or whatever. Yeah, you never know. You just never know. But anyway, pretty sports. It's a pretty sports. Yeah. World Foot- Cup. World Cup start today. World, World Cup. Yeah. That's... In the middle, we're we're just about to go full time. Looks yeah, like we're gonna tie Wales in the first game. We got that. Oh, what is it? Oh, one. I don't know when the tie ends up in the in the scoring. Is it a oh, win, a tie, and a loss, or is yeah. it win loss and oh, tie? Oh, I think. Oh, one. I don't remember. Oh, one. Oh, oh, one. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's like, you know, kissing your cousin or something. You know, got experience with that? <laughs> no, not, okay. that I, not that I'm aware of. I'm not sure about my family tree that much, to be honest with you. But I'm sure it crossed paths with a cousin or two and didn't know it. <laughs> Little Joe Dirte. <laughs> this show is starting off weird. Speaking of family trees, no, uh, let's jump into this. So uh, the, the guy that we have on the show today, Mike, I've known my entire life. He's a, a friend of mine. Um, a good dude, uh, and he's been a, a a technologist for a really long time. So he is the the director um, of technology and now the CFO for a school corporation in our state. And we do here at CyberTap a lot of work with K twelve institutions, from working with their IT departments, doing risk assessment work through our NCA NSA grant, um, and you know it's a it's a group that oftentimes is under resourced uh, to be able to respond. Or, you know, f- both financially and then expertise-wise to be able to respond to kind of cyber information security evolution in this space. Um, but this guy, Kevin McGuire from Michigan City, he's he does great work up there. I think his team is really well situated. Um, it's great to have a friend of mine on the show, um, especially where we can we can talk business, talk. I think, we'll you know, in this episode we get – we. Visit reminisce a just a little bit. We, we reminisce about the old days in technology when he and I were just cutting our teeth as pups. <laughs> um, but it was a it was a fun conversation for me. And, Crack dealer uh, in elementary school. Yeah, we had a good long conversation. So, Mike, let's get right to it. This is the Cyber Tap with Kevin McGuire. Well, Kevin, thanks for uh, joining the show, Mike. Um, Ask me how many years I've known Kevin. How many days have you known Kevin? Ask me. Ask me how many sorry, years. Sorry, how many years have you known Kevin? All of them, literally all of the years of my life. So if someone ever asks you that, I've literally known this man. I, I I forever. So the story we tell Kevin is that you, when my parents were building their house, and we moved, they moved into that house in September of '79, and I was born just a little bit after that. I just you know, doxed myself, gave out some PII there. But um, <laughs> Kevin and his brother would play in the hole that they dug for my parents' basement. And so yeah. w- when I was... I remember there's birds because we had sand swallows that would yeah. bury themselves into the side of the walls, and we used those to climb in and out of the... <laughs> so you, you dug a hole but didn't finish the basement? Yeah, the basement got finished eventually. Oh, okay. So my parents moved it. He got to play in the dirt pile in the hole and <laughs> That's it. While, while the house was being built. And then I was born shortly after that. And then, I mean, we grew up across the street from each other for our entire childhood. 
Well, Absolutely. you're a, you're a couple years older than me, not much, but a couple few. The fact I can remember the basement in your house before you were born, yeah, will give that away. Yeah, that is a, <laughs> <laughs> that is a hint. So I have known this this gentleman, Mike, um, my entire life, and probably the closest thing I've got to a big brother is Kevin. So um, I grew up kind of you know again a few years younger so i'd follow him around and we'd hang out and boy it was a lot of sports in the neighborhood it was like you watch anything today about like 80s kids like 1980s that's that was i mean like latchkey kids we came home our parents were often not there like taking care of yourself a lot but it was you know baseball in the street whatever season it was it was sports in the neighborhood but it didn't stop there so i kind of I mean, he played trumpet, so I played trumpet in sixth grade, right? And then, like, uh, he went to Purdue to study computer technology, and I was like, well, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> so I've, I've, I actually owe a lot to Kevin because he's been not only kind of like a big brother to me, but he's a bit got of all a, his hair. Well, he's got a big, that one. Well, we're not brothers. <laughs> <laughs> so he's gone gray. He's gone gray before me. I have some gray, but he's gone gray. But yeah, he's got a full, beautiful head of hair and I'm always a little jealous of that, but I owe a lot to Kevin. He's been kind of a mentor to me. I mean, I literally got into CPT at Purdue all those years ago. We lived in the same cooperative house. And so like a big brother to me. So I've, I've got so a which, lot. Which one lot. of the drunk idiots was this guy? You tell he, all the stories. This is one of the principal <laughs> drunk idiots. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I did. You have met. Words. You guys have met before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So college stories, there would be a plenty there. But um, oh, yeah. no, I mean, I've known Even, Kevin, his whole family. Uh, I know his wife and her family. They live next door on the <laughs> other side growing up. And so just... I, I say all that mostly to to get back to the point that he's been quite a mentor to me over the years. My first job in technology was because Kevin brought me along, and uh, so I owe a lot to you. So I've never probably publicly thanked you for that, and our one listener now will hear yeah. it. <laughs> this isn't a very, public, I guess. This isn't very Both public. Listeners. <laughs> Both listeners will now know, but thank you, Kevin, for all that mentorship over the years, and I appreciate you very much, and I'm really excited to have you on the show. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. So what we want to get into a little bit is an episode about uh, some cybersecurity challenges and what it's like to operate in the K-12 space. So, Kevin, your career has has spanned a long time in the K-12 space, and you've done, you know, I mean, you've kind of watched, you know, the revolution of K-12 technology in a lot of ways, right? So from back in the days where we were first putting the first computer in each classroom to do attendance and things of that nature, um, all the way up to now, the the one-to-one one-to-one initiatives that you you saw years ago and and you're, and you're doing quite a bit it's been quite an evolution but i did just see recently that you and some of your team members were given uh an honor to to join the innovators society out of purdue northwest for a wireless project you can tell us a little bit about that and what what was going on there that's yeah, so a little bit about the innovator society pnw has offered this in northwest indiana for 18 years now um and I've been lucky enough to be inducted. Actually, this is my third time being inducted with a team for a couple of different projects that we've done throughout the years. Um, all obviously revolving around technology mm-hmm. as the career is. But yeah, this but this specific project, it's, it's a passion of mine. It's always been a passion, but obviously with one-to-one and every child having a, a Chromebook in their hands, I feel like it's our responsibility to make sure that if they go home, they can connect. And that, as I said before and said many times, if you left your office and went home and you couldn't ask Google a question, how would that impact your life? Yet we're sending about 15% of our students home and they can't ask Google a question. Right. It, well, how would that impact your life educationally, personally, professionally, if you didn't have that that resource in your fingers? So I'd I feel like unemployed. it's our responsibility to make sure <laughs> that students can connect. Yeah. So the wireless project is just that. It's uh CBRS, Citizen Broadband Radio Service, that came available in 2020. Um, we actually started the project just before COVID started when we started asking yeah. vendors, like, hey, how can we connect our students at home? They all have devices. How do we connect them? So we actually, our first pilot program was with uh, just a, a lame point-to-point. We could reach about a half mile um, yeah. from the, the school, but we had to physically put an antenna on the households, and that was that was troubling. As obviously you can imagine the issues with that. Yeah. To now, to where right now with the CBRS network, we have four buildings now lit up with school-owned fiber as the backbone, um, and we reach about fifteen hundred homes in Michigan City. Which is great. So geographically, kind of square mileage footage, like you're covering fifteen hundred homes over. Do you have any idea like how how 
wide that is. Even if yes. you can you can guesstimate. I, I mean, think about oh, we cover about from uh, Lighthouse Mall to you know over to the Blue Chip Casino. I just hit the biggest highlights uh, for Michigan yeah. City. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I would say it's about 20 square miles. Oh, wow. So we're, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, across the the district, we're going about six miles, eight miles across and depend upon, you know, three or four miles in either direction from that. So, so what, um, what type yeah, of 50, network performance are you, are you typically providing through this service? So, like network speeds? Uh, yeah, speeds, uptime, yeah, I don't know. So our goal is 50 down, uh, 25 up. Uh, and so a little bit better than what the feds and now I know the feds have just changed their definition of what broadband is. Yeah. Um, you know, it used to be 25, three, that was right. kind of the standard everybody's pushing. We're, we're in that area of which we feel like one or two students can connect with their devices and have a zoom meeting for the most part. I mean, that's really what we're, um, judging what our needs are and it, it works well. Uh, we do have some households where, you know, they have four or five students in a household, but remember, we're not necessarily pushing to the to the household. It's a wireless network, so every device where our goal is to get 50 down, 25 up. Which is, I we Kevin and I had lunch last week, and we were talking about this. Um, you know, as, as you guys know, and I know some of our listeners will remember, I, I live in a rural area of Tippecanoe County where we don't have terrestrial broadband, so there's no... There's no coax providers, no cable company. There's no fiber to the home on a rural electric co-op network. There's the only thing I have access to is a, for potential point-to-point wireless or the microwave wireless stuff from yep. kind of one-off providers. But I just so happen to live in a little, you know, peninsula that I'm surrounded by trees on three sides. I have a narrow view of to the north, and there's no towers that way. So when I had a lot of those companies come out, I literally have no options for terrestrial broadband. So I use cellular for a long time, and now you know Papa Elon gives me Star Starlink, which I'm excited about. But I average, I don't get the 300 meg speeds mm-hmm. that were advertised with Starlink. I'm still only seeing 60 down, 50 down on average, which is what you're offering to your students. Yeah. And I can tell you that I can still play video games and have three people streaming content fairly successfully. And I've I've joked with you know Mike and other guys that we play video games with sometimes that, hey, my Starlink has become as reliable as some of their <laughs> you know Metro Nets or other provi- you know traditional ISP providers in town. And so. Um, that I mean, it's been huge for my family, right? So uh, we always f- were fortunate enough that I could buy multiple large data plans from both kind of the name brand cellular companies, like we had unlimited on our phones and hotspotting. Plus, I could buy a, you know a large set of data from an MVNO, which is like a I, I don't even know what MVNO stands for, but it's the people that buy bulk cellular data and then sell it out there, you know. I was getting AT&T service. I'd get a SIM card, put it in a little router. It would take the cellular network, turn it into Wi-Fi. So, I, but that was very expensive. I mean, it was costing my family a significant amount of money. Um, and that's a barrier for a lot of folks. And I know what a game changer it was just for my family to get some decent internet, not only for entertainment purposes like streaming and games, but just to function for school. Right. Yep. So my kids with their Chromebooks here in Tippecanoe County, I mean, they, they were limited on what they could do. And if they if they were assigned large videos, I would have to talk to the teachers and talk. And I say, we can't do that here because you're trying to get me every day to download a six gig video for this kid. We're going to run out of space because we had limited access. And so, yeah, I think it you know, it's it's huge. And then if if there's socioeconomic reasons that people can't don't have access, that puts that kid well behind their peers and what they have the ability to do for school. And I just think it's a huge, huge win for you guys. I think it's really exciting. I'm, I was you know, excited to hear about the project. Yeah, the, the one thing that we found when going through our surveys and everything was we knew, we've always known 10 to 15% of our students don't have, have internet access. We just assumed for the most part that that was because they didn't have the resources, the money, if you will, to purchase, or they lived in an area where they didn't, it wasn't offered. Because like Matt, we have some areas that, you know, Comcast just doesn't go out to them because it doesn't. It's not a good business model. No, for it's a terrible business so for them. One, <laughs> one line for one house. So yeah, it completely get that. But what we learned that of that 15 percent, roughly half of them didn't have internet access because their parents chose not to. Right. And that those were the families that I'm really. I mean, 
barring the, I mean, we know that we got to deal with the socioeconomic status, but we have families that just choose not to because they don't need it in their lives or their cell phone is enough broadband for them. They can check right. their email, do whatever in their cell phone. So those are the students that I'm most concerned about because they're not getting resources because their parents choose not to have them in their household. And of course, as a school system, we have snow days and we expect every student have access at home. It's right. my responsibility to make sure we can make that happen. That's really interesting. So the, the thing that strikes me about this, though, and the, even the one-to-one -one initiative, and I know, you know, typical New County schools where my kids are involved, or my daughter's involved anyway, um, they have, you know, the Chromebooks. You guys are doing Chromebooks, probably iPads for the little ones, which has become more and more uh, of a model that I've seen out there. But it used to be 20 years ago that the perimeter was incredibly well-defined from a security, you know, cyber and information security. You had X number of buildings, X number of people. Everything was confined in those buildings. And you have absolutely blown up your perimeter by giving everyone a device to take home, plus now extending the network. So how, when you think tw over 25 years of your career in higher ed, wow, he's getting up there, <laughs> 25 years. How has that? How has this cyber and information security, you know, environment evolved like that to you? What obviously, have you seen? Yeah, obviously, you just said it. That's the big thing. I mean, it's not just students taking devices home. We also offer devices for our teachers, and those are the bigger issues, concerns, because they're <laughs> taking a Windows device home. Yeah. Um, let's stay on the student side first, though. I think Google has done a fantastic job. They keep their source. They they take care of it. They they're if they don't offer a secure product they're not gonna have the millions of students carrying devices home because you just couldn't allow it. So I, I feel as confident as one can that yeah. the device is going home with uh, with Google on it and that's the only access they have. And then we restrict, of course, what those students can do on that device when they're connected at home or when they're connected in a school. So we use other online cloud-based products um, that so the student gets filtered, the student has more protections. They're still, regardless what public Wi-Fi they may connect to, mm -hmm. they're still they got the add-on filter on the on the solution as well. So we've done what we can to secure the students. They can't email outside the district. Right. They can't receive files. They can't share Google Drive with anybody else. Everything's got to be contained inside the district. So those are really the first things that we can do to lock down. Um, you know, there are some other things security-wise that we can do better to uh, take care of the students. But I think I'm, I'm pretty confident because of Google that yeah. we're in a good spot there. The teachers, those are, that's obviously another big issue for us because they're now taking their Windows device home okay. and you know they, can, they have access to their computer. So some of the right. things that we've done, obviously um, device management, um, workstation profiles, you know, doing what we can from the Windows standpoint just to lock the machine down. They can't, so we've gone through that progression with everybody else. It wasn't long ago and I'm a little, I won't tell you how long ago, but I will tell you it wasn't <laughs> that long ago that everybody was an admin on their Microsoft Windows PC. Right. And, you know, we didn't think about it. It's just go home. You need a solid driver. I want you to have access to a solid driver. If you want to you run your scanner at home, I want you to have access. I don't want to cause any more work for my staff because you want to install a different printer at home. So you're an admin. There you go. Take your device. Well, then, of course, you obviously come yeah. back in, take that same device, and you connect it to the domain and, like, Holy moly! What what have we done? Let's uh, we we need to kind of look at this, re rethink what's going on here. So that was one of the first things we said. Here's your workstation profile. You have access to it. You know, um, we have the software involved. So if anything happens on a machine, we, we just wipe it. It's just reset. Yeah. It's just it's essentially not quite as locked down as a Google Chromebook, but they can't do a whole lot on it. They can't install software. Right. They can come back to the work group or to the domain, then they have a little bit different access to do something on the network. But when they go home and they're off the network, they're they're pretty well restricted. And then, of course, I think the big piece there, we've transitioned from the general antivirus software package, name whatever solution you want to, you know, yep. back 30 years ago, it was McAfee, it was Norton, you know, all of those to some of the bigger players. But now we've transitioned from just basic antivirus to endpoint detection. Yeah. I think that's a, a big game changer too, to know the patterns, know what's happening out there, not just because it's a known virus, it's because it's doing things in my system that I should know about and yep. I'm, I'm just gonna block it. So Sentinel One has been a, a great partner of ours moving forward as well and a, a, a key piece, I think, to keep things as secure as we can. What about the so the wireless network that you've deployed to, to hook up these houses? What 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 were your concerns security-wise with that and kind of how have you addressed them? I mean, obviously that's another new perimeter for you to manage. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the obviously the main concern is anybody just grabbing the SSID or changing and, and hop, hopping on the network. Um, 
because then they, of course, have access to the student side of the network, which is fairly restricted. Sure, of course. The, the first thing for security is we only allow, we we have we manage SID, SSIDs, and we also manage the devices on it. So if you're not a known device of the Michigan City Area's network, you're not allowed on the system. So right. even if somebody hacked the SSID or they were able to get on, um, you know, they'd, they'd have to find other ways to show their device being one that we were gonna allow on the network. So that's the first thing. Right now, the wireless network is only allowed for school-owned devices, generally in a student hands, or if a teacher has a device that's school-owned, um, they can connect to it as well. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean it's a, a great approach, obviously. Have you guys e- examined, like, full application whitelisting yet for your... I know you do... For the Chromebooks, it's kind of... The, it's so locked down that it, in a sense, is that way. But on... I was just reading a book. That's why it kind of popped... I know, I read books. It's weird. Um, where it Don't was kind of... It was, it was kind of the argument about, you know the admin rights for you know and, and ease of use but then kind of the full opposite side is you know application whitelisting which if something was to you know infiltrate your network in some way and try to execute a program that wasn't whitelisted it just couldn't do it even so if somebody did a fairly you know robust attack lateral movement got some tried to install some software and software it wouldn't be able to because of a whitelist have you guys looked into that at all we have not I mean, it's certainly yeah. something that's it's a little bit uh, it's, it's, more recent. Yeah. It's, it's kind of front end. Uh, right now, obviously, from a school perspective, we got to weigh a lot of those things. There's a cost to yeah. everything that sits on top to, to manage. So um, cost obviously drives, I sure. think, a lot of our decisions, unfortunately. Who's, who's your biggest pain in the butt right now, user-wise? By name, please. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. What are your, what are your pain points these days? Uh, finance, I think, is a big one in in education, just for yeah. obvious reasons. Um, my our big one are are written policies. Yeah. Um, I think, and you know, you think, well, how is that a pain point, right? It's just it's a document or it's policies written on the side, but then you can't back anything up if you don't have it written. So if somebody challenges a password policy, for instance, and says, well, why do we have to do that? Well, it was never adopted, or who said that we had to do that? If you don't have anything written, if you don't have anything official, you know, it's, it's a little harder to enforce or at least kind of yeah. respond to that challenge. So just having those written policies is is a big one. And in education, I think, unfortunately, we've, we, we just fight fires. You know, what is yeah. the hottest fire? What's burning my face right now? What do I have to take care of immediately? Because you don't have a lot of extra resources. So some of these things that we should be spending time on, we're not because we're just dealing with the fires. Yeah. It, also, it also sounded like uh, it was the resistance from those families that just chose not to utilize the services. Yeah, how do you deliver quality education when you just, the, the, unfortunately, the, the the students not being supported? You know they're supported when they're in school. Right. Right. Man, that's yeah. tough. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Families, community. I mean, there's a whole lot of issues there, variables there to, to work with. That's for sure. Yeah. No. You have a lot of people complaining they should be using an Apple product instead of a Google oh, Chromebook. Yeah. I get that all the time here yeah. at work. Yeah. You sound like my staff now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike has to deal with that for the for our CyberTap and Tap group. And there are a lot of people that come in and they just they have a preference. And it's like, well, it'd be like, it'd be like well, for this student group, can't we just give them Windows machines? No, absolutely not. Like everything we put in place is to manage an enterprise with some controls, right? And those controls are based on consistent platforms used. Like if you, every time you introduce a new platform, either you have to come up with new enterprise controls or revamp it. It's just such a pain, right? Like that's the, the, you know, heterogeneous versus a homogeneous environment and why it's so important. Yeah. And and to your point, I mean, we, you know, something as simple as two factor authentication, like it's a no brainer from a tech standpoint. Why are we not doing this? Why do we, you know, this is no brainer. Let's just do it. And then you get from the top down, you know, well, I'm not going to log in like that. I don't want to use my cell phone. And then obviously from <laughs> bottom up, you got teachers, you're not supplying me a cell phone. So why am I using my cell phone number to do a two factor? So, I mean, you get it from both directions, both sides. So it's that you certainly got to manage that politically to make sure you can push forward any, any of the efforts we try to lay out. Yeah, no, and I think that's I think we, I mean, that's you're you're describing enterprise IT, right? Like the challenges. Yeah. Address that. Do you want a job? Do you want to work here? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, that's fine. You yeah, you teachers, actually don't easier to handle the teachers, but when your boss tells you, <laughs> I'm true. not using. Uh, I, I know. And then you got to just throw down. This is why you're doing it. Right. It, yeah. It so that's the threat narratives that people need to write to describe, you know, what you're protecting. 
And um, the the book I mentioned, I don't even know the title of it. It's terrible of me, but I'm I'm have a lot of pictures it. in it. It's yeah. got a few yeah. pictures in it, Mike. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, you know it talks about cybersecurity from the kind of the the boards like a a board member's perspective and what's really important. But it really the book is truly if you get really down to it, it's about cyber and information security in the context of business operations and what's important to your business. And so in K twelve you know, describing what's important to your business, student connectivity, which you talk about with your wireless program, being able to deliver course material on remote days, being able, you know, all of the, like, what are some of the things that we don't think about being outside of K-12 that are kind of core to the business that makes K-12 unique? Yeah. Um, I mean, the obvious ones, as you mentioned, just the quality, but I think we're, we're going and COVID, we started to make this transition. That's why we have one-to-one prior to COVID, but um, I'm going to divert a little bit. At one point in my lifetime, I thought buildings weren't going to be existing in, in K-12. That okay. we could just go virtual. We could sit in these environments. We put headphones in the kids, and they're going to sit in front of a teacher, and they're going to get all the information that they need, and they'll do just fine. And what we learned after COVID is that may be true for a small percentage of kids that can sit in a chair and yeah. watch a screen. But generally speaking, buildings aren't going to go anywhere. I think that was very clear after COVID, like, Holy Moses, we need buildings to put kids in. Now, you can talk about how big, how small, or you know, what that looks like, but I think that's where things have definitely changed because of COVID. But some of those things that we don't think about, um, I think, from unless you're in the environment, is discipline. You know, what does it do? How can you use technology or how, how can impact technology impact what's happening in the classroom? And sometimes a student does just need to be stepped needs to step out of the classroom and do something different yeah. in the past when we were in school that was the principal's office right right <laughs> uh, you know some things now you know technology you can play that role of just moving the student over to a different setting and saying hey why don't you just do this learning path or i have something set up for you or here's your assignment go work on the computer and get that done so yeah i think technology plays a little different um piece moving forward and i think that's the the teachers are starting to visualize that as well and seeing that a little differently too um yeah but Kevin, but, but but when it was us and we went to the principal's office, the principal still had a paddle back then. Yeah, that didn't, that didn't stop us from playing in the mud in the baseball. <laughs> <laughs> no, we would take yeah. our licks and like you know, just, it was worth it. Whatever we did was probably <laughs> worth it. It didn't help too much either that you got in trouble with the principal's son, and he was getting paddled at the same time you were. Yeah, so. was was yeah. he involved in your candy scheme? No, no, no. So okay, he was. was right. He's a, like entrepreneurship. Said, he's a, that's when I was selling candy at Cool Spring. And I got busted. They didn't like when I was. You, you remember how? You probably do remember, but we would buy Kool Aid. We'd go down to little grocery shoppy, and I'd buy Kool Aid in like bulk, mix it with a little sugar, and then it was like fun dip without the dipper. And you just dip your finger in it, and your finger would be red to the second knuckle because you'd lick your finger and stick it in the Kool Aid. I was selling little bags of Kool Aid. Kool Aid. Um, didn't think that it kind of looked like cocaine. This was pre Dare. Um, <laughs> And then we'd go up to Arnt's Orchard, and I'd buy fireballs and cinnamon sticks and watermelon oh, yeah. sticks and all that kind of stuff. Kevin knows all these yeah. hot spots because it's the same. Grew up in the same neighborhood, and I'd sell those out of my pencil box. But they got real mad because I was taking all the kids like milk money, and then they get to lunch and have no money left because I was selling fireballs a quarter a pop. <laughs> <laughs> you pay seventy five cents for a whole bag. That's right, and I'd sell them for a quarter a pop because I knew a quarter was what milk cost at the time. So you knew that the kids had that milk money. <laughs> no, should have been we, congratulated. I know I should have. I should. They should have <laughs> let me set up a booth for Pete's sake. I would have split. Some, I'd had a revenue share with the school. <laughs> Put you on the booster club. And, and now students do that with Venmo and PayPal. And, yeah. Oh, yeah, but they're selling they're, they're vape cartridges yeah. or whatever. Right, buying Starbucks. Yeah. No, so you didn't have to worry about I mean, smoke detectors in the classroom or in the uh, bathrooms. Uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> right. yeah, there's there's some weird things that we have to deal with nowadays, that's for sure. But even, even so my first tech job was working with Kevin at the school system years ago as a summer, Changing your summer employee. No, yeah. no, no. But we cleared. I, Kevin, do you remember that first summer? I don't. I know the number I tell people, the number of tickets we cleared. What? Let me see if, I mean, I'm uh, gonna, hang on, don't say anything. I'm going to write it down. Let's see if I have a, a good memory. Oh, I'm locked. Um do you remember that first summer, the the ticket backlog that we we took we took over just the the two of us? What it was like? I think there was thirty two hundred tickets. Okay. For the district wide. Yeah, and I think and I had in my memory that we cleared twelve hundred, or something like Did, that. Well, there may be some that we just cleared out just because that was old. <laughs> shift <laughs> that, shift it, delete. It was, 
<laughs> everything was on paper too, which was even the worst part of it because yeah, you had three burn. copies of everything. Yeah, so literally, you'd go to the school and there'd be a binder, and you'd open it up, and there were paper tickets. That's I mean, we're old. can't read the handwriting. No, do you now? This yeah. is I got. I want to tell another story from back in the day when Kevin and I worked together. Do you remember I used to write DDS fix on tickets? Yeah, I'm trying to remember what it stood for though. I do remember DDS. Didn't do. <laughs> <laughs> and and no. I don't. We used to write picnic on them too. We. I don't remember that one. Problem in chair, not a computer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ID10T, yeah, yeah. yeah. ID2, right. But then I, I don't remember the gal's name that was working there. Um, she, she we don't tra- need names anyways. Yeah, she trapped me, and she's like, hey, you got to teach me this DDS fix, because it is fixed so many different types of problems. <laughs> but you'd go, and it'd be like, the monitor's not working or whatever, and you'd go there, and it was working, you know, because somebody plugged it in, you know, or whatever. Man, we had some good times back then. It's a welcome to tech support 101, right? I mean, yeah. anybody that's done phone support or any support at the time uh, certainly knows it has all has all these stories. I we had, I think, one of the work orders to share my story. One of the work orders, I think, was if I file this floppy disk with other floppy disks and it has a virus, will it spread? <laughs> <laughs> By osmosis, <laughs> by, <laughs> yeah. things we had to worry about. That that disc is going to sneeze on another disc. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, there was some there was some doozies back in the day. We were we were goofballs Just too. Spray it with Lysol, be fine. And so, I mean, let's we reminisce a little bit, right? And yeah. how things have changed over twenty five years. So when we first started, it was the zero administration kit. Yeah, for Windows NT. Windows NT. Yeah. Uh, starting with Windows 4.0 and those those lovely Medallion computers oh, that we had. You know, Doug Doug, who's a your you know a colleague of yours that worked with us years ago, sent me a picture of one. He has a picture of one that he found somewhere. Yeah, they were still using it. It was still in operation. That's unbelievable. So at the time, we hired a company in South Bend to actually build the computers because you know HP, <laughs> NEC. I mean, they weren't just they weren't there yet. I mean, we're talking in the late nineties. Yeah, you could get Gateway or Compacts yeah. or whatever, and NECs and things like that. But it was yeah, just as yeah, it was just as common to go find small garage. I mean, Dell Gateway, all those guys started in their garage. I mean, that you were just picking a local garage startup. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, that's. 25 years ago, that's how we, if somebody needed to reimage your machine, we'd take the zero administration kit, throw the three and a half floppy drive in, yeah, and boot it off based on their network card or whatever they had. Yeah, you had to have a you had to have a three and a half inch floppy assigned because you would build the the image disk. It was the booter to actually right. pull down the image, and it was you had to have one disk for that machine specifically. So yep. you, you didn't, you'd have to create it because it would be tied to the MAC address or whatever, and then it would actually and initiate the network. The yeah, and everything. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. To where we're at now, where I mean, obviously you just pixie boot it or network yeah. boot, and you're you press a few buttons and voila, you got a new image under your computer, or you have the image on the machine itself and just bare metal reimage back to square one. Yeah, I and mean, life has changed quite a bit. It certainly has. Although I remember we were moving away from, I mean, Zach, the Zach disks and Zach Zero Administration yep. Kit. We were doing that, but then. By the time, you know, a couple summers in, we had a 1U server. Do you remember this? And we were using ghost image. Ghost imaging. Yeah, yeah ghost imaging. And we named the server Fat Tony. And so <laughs> we would put it in the trunk of one of our cars and we'd go to like a school and we would like, you know, re-image entire lab or something and be like, who's got Fat Tony in the trunk? You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> we progressed pretty quick there. Yeah, not bad, right? <laughs> so shortly after you so like, bring things full circle i guess a little bit on the conversation shortly after you um moved on or you're in college and i had moved up to be the director we started our first initial one-to-one project which was part of the indiana access program mm-hmm. uh, back in 2004 i think we wrote our first grant so i mean one-to-one we all know it now because everybody sees a laptop and you you have devices that you can give to every child but right. one-to-one as it started was a desktop solution and we purchased Device is not much different than the medallion machines, but homegrown computers that we put in the desk of every child. And by the time we were done, the last, I think, grant we got was in 2008. We had a computer in front of every student in social studies, language arts, um, and um, I'm missing. We had three groups. Every time you sat down from sixth grade to 12th grade, you sat down at a computer, which was pretty uh, forward 
thinking for, for yeah, a that's district a, of our size. One to one's been around a long time, but you guys were early on it for sure. Yeah, very early. Yeah, we did a lot. So, and then at the time, my brilliant mind was that hey, Windows cost us a lot of money because <laughs> yeah. there's a hundred dollars in every de- every device. So we were a, a huge Ubuntu district as well. Yeah. Our entire one to one program. It was also finance. We could do a third more machines because we didn't purchase Windows. Yeah. Um, we ran everything with Ubuntu. So we became kind of the tech support department for all K-12 districts nationwide running Ubuntu and doing one-to-one initiatives. Yeah, God bless you because I didn't want anything to do with it. I Early <laughs> on, I became a point-and-click administrator in the Microsoft application stack. and It got um, to the point where we opened an element, two elementary schools, which were running 95% um Linux, Linux they're all running yeah. your budget. And we had a, a few Windows machines that we had to have in the office or in specific locations, sure. but the buildings opened up 400 machines a piece and they were all Ubuntu machines. Yeah. Well, and you, you still have a mainframe? Do we still have one? Yeah. We do. Is, is it still in operation? <laughs> it's still in operation. It is running legacy software. Just for um, record. Only for yeah. record keeping right now. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, we have a, that's part of the evolution, right? I mean, that was a very absolutely. common application that was run on that, very common platform yep. for it, old mainframe computing. But, again, if back from a security standpoint, you put it all in one place, everybody connect, connects to that device, you're running a 5250 emulator. I mean, you can control everything in that one location um, and really kind of lock things down. And then uh, it was running an AS400. I mean, yeah. IBM just did a fantastic job in those systems. Still is a fantastic system. Uh, we're going to yeah. actually, once we're done with the software, we're going to repurpose it and make it our, um, our records retention solution. Is that uh, right? Solution. It just, they just run forever. Yeah, because yeah. we just purchased a new one. It's only three years old, so we got to do something with it. Yeah, big, oh, you, oh, it's okay. You actually have a new, some new hardware. <laughs> it's not, yeah. it, we had a little feedback, sorry. We had to just because the software wasn't running on the old system. Yeah, gotcha. Gotcha. It's like a nuclear plant half life of yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, we'll all be dead and gone, but Bertha, Big Bertha or whatever <laughs> its name is, is still gonna be there. <laughs> yeah. Is I mean it is it is a wild I mean, when you've been in industry as long as we have, like, to see that evolution. I mean, I when I left and went to my kind of full time career, I was still seeing Windows N T and moving things over to you know, Active Directory for the first time, and now Active Directory and Office 365 as a solution, like an Azure-based solution for domains. I mean, it's so common. Everybody, yeah. you know, it's everywhere. And it, but um, yeah, and take an Exchange 55 to Exchange 2000X or whatever, and you know, migrating mailboxes and managing, you know, SCSI RAID arrays, things like that. Right? Like, there's so much that we've done. Um, we, we and when we implemented GroupWise, we thought we were fantastic because we now have webmail. You yeah. can now <laughs> right. log in and check your email. And this was Novell, right back in no. You know, oh my gosh, we yeah. GroupWise, and now everything's switched over. And then the training program that we had to go through from we I think we we're using Eudora Lite as our POP three mail server yeah. at one point, and then we had to train everybody to use webmail. And then we went from we literally went from GroupWise to Google Mail. Right, of course, like. What training are you going to offer all the teachers? I'm, like, I'm not offering any training. Click on inbox. Find <laughs> yeah, what is what training? <laughs> if you can't figure that Here, out, here's, here's a tack, tack hammer. Tack hammer. <laughs> Go hit yourself in the head with it. <laughs> and, and speaking of training, Kevin, we had an opportunity recently to work together again on a, on a professional level, right? So we see each other over the years on and off. Um, but we had, a, we had an opportunity to connect a little bit through um, both through our funding that we received through the National Centers for Academic Excellence from the NSA, where we're providing security risk assessments at no cost to local governments and K-12s. And so we had a chance to come up and sit with your team and interview and, and do some work there. And then also as part of Jim's program, um, the, the Purdue Cyber Apprenticeship Program, PCAP, uh, your team got to go through um, our program and do some training and, and you're still kind of working through some of the on the job portions. And I'm just curious um, if you'd be willing, at least give us an honest kind of response to that, that how that's gone. Cause we don't shill very often on this podcast. Actually, we do it every once in a while or it's really quick, but you're, you're an actual customer of ours and I'd love to have a, just a little insight in what you thought about the, those programs so far. Unless it was bad, and then we're going to have a segment of cut time. <laughs> yeah, if it, it, give empty. us your honest opinion, and if it doesn't appear in the episode, everyone will know why. <laughs> <laughs> the cell section will be cut out. <laughs> yeah, well, let's go back a little bit. 
Um, we did a NIST assessment uh, yep. now five, six years ago, which when cybersecurity, when all of this was kind of coming to the forefront and we had to have cybersecurity insurance and, you know, the um, ransomware attacks were starting to become a lot more pre prevalent and education and healthcare being top yeah. you know, market areas that those, those lovely individuals. Scumbags. You could say scumbags. <laughs> yeah, scumbags. That works. Um, so we did a NIST assessment. We want to kind of identify where our holes were and what our, our problems were. So after that, one of the things that we tout ourselves and very proud that we do a lot of in-house work. So we right. don't reach out. One of the very few education, I think, groups that you'll find that we probably do 95, 96% of the work in-house. So it's the, the problem and what came out of that was that my staff had great knowledge and knew a lot of the tools but they weren't necessarily specific to the needs for cybersecurity side of things. Right. Um, so certainly they understood how to lock down a network or they to connect PCs together. They had the general knowledge, but cybersecurity was one of those things that I think was identified that we needed more assistance on. So certainly through our partnership, our relationship, and you reaching out, knowing at that time, because I think we sh I shared with you during a conversation, hey, this is going on. Yeah. Um, you know, it was. It was important that the staff get some sort of training moving forward that could be specific to the cyber attacks and knowing what the, the what they could experience. So um, I sat, unfortunately, only for a day, but I did get to go through the, the scavenger hunt to see yeah. the uh, virtual environment and uh, play play along that, which, of course, I, I think, Matt, you shared with us in the same situation. You put me in front of a computer, and if I'm in my office, I'll do whatever I need to do. But you put somebody behind me, you put a teammate next to me, and I forget everything that I knew. Oh, I my gosh. Ten <laughs> minutes ago. The first time a, so a, a, a Linux command line started blinking at me, I was like, <laughs> what do I do next? Like, I'm like, I mean, I had forgotten every single Linux command I'd ever known. And I was like, where even am I? Oh, wait, PWD. Like, you know, and you're like, oh, there you go. LS. Oh, a, LS minus A. Starts, LS. Yeah, it's so slowly. Back. And then I never had great Linux skills, but man, it is nerve. Like your skills atrophy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I sat through that, went through that same experience that I know each one of the techs, and they're, they're not tech. I mean, these are level two, level three yeah. um, engineers. I mean, they're, they're above our desktop layer. Um, so they, they, I know they had the same feeling though. And somebody's watching me, my <laughs> partner's behind me. I, so I get it. I thought that was a great experience because they, there's going to be a time, especially if you go through this ransomware process, right. that there's going to be other people looking at you for an answer that, you know, you're going to have to be quicker on your feet and, and know what's going on. So I think that was just going through the scavenger hunt was a, a great exercise by itself. But then I shared with you one of our engineers who is the network engineer. So he's the person we lean on yeah. was like physically sick during lunch. Like he didn't, he, his stomach was upset and he, he didn't want to eat lunch because he was so nervous about getting attacked <laughs> in a virtual environment, which is really funny because yeah. he, he just knew when he got back, he's going to get attacked. So he, was, <laughs> he knows he the attack's coming. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we're not actually attacking him and there's nothing really at stake, but there is a level of live fire exercise. Absolutely. Right. You know you're safe. You, I mean, you're as safe as anywhere else, right? You could break something. You could cause damage to a system because it is a robust system. It's a bit of a glass cannon, too. Like, there's the ways you can bring that system to its knees very easily, but it's also very powerful. Um, that that Those are the stakes. But, yeah, there is a sense of this right before it's starting. You're, I mean, I, I get, I get excited, a little bit excited. I didn't get physically like, I can't eat. Trust me, I could eat. Um, I can always eat. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, I get that. He, you got you to gotta say, hey, next time, I know we're going to come see you guys again soon. You need to calm down. There's, it's not that serious. Um, right. But, yeah, it is because there, there is. It's live fire, so it gives you a, a little bit of a, I don't know, gave me a little bit of a jolt, you know, a little endorphin yeah, absolutely. rush. Yeah. But then we, we sit into the actual event. We're actually going through the process. Um, and so I was kind of the silent observer, kind of jumping in where I, I felt like I could add any value, but really wanted to take out of that experience how the team interacted with each other. And I think when I left that day, I already had in my mind, you know, things that we could work on as a team, uh, generally speaking. So we a little background, our, our office is split up with network and systems. That, that we have pairs in each of them because I believe working with a partner, you get through things a little quicker, um, especially in problems. You can bounce things off each other. So they're, they're paired up. We have a systems engineer and a network engineer, and then we got a system support engineer and a network support engineer. And then we have a software support person that kind of, she takes care of all the, the student software and whatnot. So those mm -hmm. are the five people that we had in the room. And it was obvious real quick 
the, the network team say to themselves and the system team <laughs> say to themselves, but there's, there wasn't a whole lot of conversation between the two yeah. unless something happened. And, and even in a live environment, I think what was clear is like, let's make sure you stay in your silo and communicate what the needs are of the other side instead of trying to go navigate yourself. So, um, you know, I found the network team dabbling on the domain controller in the virtual environment. And I asked them, during the, I said, would you dabble in the live environment? Yeah. Uh, you know, that's their responsibility. So why don't you let them know what you know so you share with them. And it's not a competition between the two of you. Right. You guys should all be working together. So, um, you know, that was a take that I got out of the, the experience. And then when I, I met with, um, uh, who was your the leader? Um, Jeremy, the instructor? Thank you. Yeah, Jeremy. Jeremy, the instructor. When I met with Jeremy and we had a conversation and shared some emails afterwards, he said the exact same thing. That's what he noticed out of yeah. the entire group. Said, hey, you know, your, your staff's pretty well educated. They know what's going on they could probably work on this communication a little bit more. So yeah. um, we, and all of them said that when we debriefed as a group, they said the exact same thing. So I think that was, what was eye opening to me is that, Hey, if there's something going on on the live network, don't keep it to yourself. Like there are people that are there, share the information you can. You know, Jeremy had us put it on a whiteboard, yeah. um, just, you know, keep a timeline, know what's going on, share the information you have, which is something we've never experienced, never gone through, never even talked about. That was uh, definitely, and that'll be a reason why we come back, because I think they could definitely yeah. use some more interaction in that regard. And ultimately, from a team building standpoint, holy crap. I mean, it was, they came back with a different respect and a different understanding of what each other did right. or what the skills were that they brought to the table. So um, Susie, the software person, she's only been with the department for a couple months. And, you know, she hadn't really had a chance to kind of build a relationship with the four gentlemen that were in the room. And, you know, I didn't want to say, I don't think anything was, was it sexist or anything. It was just that you didn't have a relationship. It right. wouldn't matter if it was, time. It's just know, a matter of time so far. Time, yeah. exactly. Um, but we put her in that situation. She needs to be part of the team. She needs to be part of the conversation. Right. And the, from a team building standpoint, again, we all debriefed afterwards and you could tell there's a different respect for her and the communication now and the conversations that i'm having with all of them she's definitely involved and they saw her definitely as a part of the team so that's yeah it was pretty eye-opening that just the team building side of things um that we got out of the the experience as well yeah and that's great and i appreciate that perspective and you can definitely see and i think that is one of the, the biggest outputs of uh, those types of training exercises is that camaraderie team building people working together and um, and then you just pick up little things about, you know, the things that you can take back and start to implement, right? Like, you know, if you actually ever did face an attack, we probably should start to timeline. You know, you should start that, you know, and have an incident response plan and all of those types of things. And I think that's that's really, really valuable. Um, and you didn't have to. I mean, it cost you money in the fact that you had to take time away from your day to, to do the work. But uh, it was completely paid for by the grant. And that's available still to other people today. So um, I, think, I think what we developed when we did ours, we had two separate teams. So it was yeah. a little bit of a competition. But I, I think we we shared the griping for some of the wording. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> some of the but even so we, we've done it internally as well, uh, Kevin. And um, Mike and I were on opposite teams. But what I found is that you know, we're very I'm a very competitive person. I know you are sport. We played sports growing up and everything was turned into, you know, who scored the most right? Whether it was baseball, football, basketball, it didn't matter. I mean, we, we did it all, but I'm, I just, by nature, that's the, that I love that. But then as you're getting going, like uh, I would all, I started to just say, I just want to get through this as best we can. So I'm going to go over and see what the other team has. And I'm going to offer them something like we even started mm -hmm. breaking down the competition a little bit. Cause we, you know, we set it up that way. And, and we had a very diverse <clears throat> yeah. skill set coming in. There was some people that were taking this training that maybe this is not a responsibility in their yeah. position going forward but they you know it was shared participation or shared yeah enjoyment be, shared yeah, pain absolutely. depending on how who, who you were and what you were doing engaging with yeah. I, I mean it gave me a lot of exposure to to the environment yeah. that it's not a day-to-day -day thing for me and, and i was yeah. came away not impressed with myself but i got through <laughs> it so i got knowledgeable so before is, it's definitely worth it i would i'm yeah you know my you got my phone number you got my email if there's anybody that's wants to talk more about it that they may be interested and just not ready to pull the trigger i'd be happy to to have that conversation share our experiences i like I to put that. i would my analogy is uh, network security and cybersecurity is much like uh, jenga that you win by not losing yeah and that's, that's true <laughs> that's where we're at so just put all the walls up and just don't lose yeah, yeah i mean that is true <laughs> that is true hey kevin before we let you go we're we're going to release this 
right around Thanksgiving, right? And so uh, we have a segment we're going to drag you into it that we do just about every year um, at this time when we, we think about technology gifts and things and, and kind of Black Friday deals. And so o- over the past, we had, we, we've talked about terrible ideas for gifts with all these listening devices that every company wants you to put in their house and then record every conversation so they can do target marketing. I don't know about you, but we don't have a whole lot of Alexas or Echoes or anything like that in our house just because don't want people to, to listen in. Um, but there's a million deals out there right now. I mean, there's, there's quite a few. I know uh, producer Jim was finding some. Um, you can go like here's here's something that we thought was interesting. Uh, VPNoverview.com has like all of the VPN software solutions on sale, like listed. So you can go right now, and we don't have any sponsorships. We we've never done sponsors. We don't plan on doing sponsors for this show. So any of these I name, it's just because it showed up on this website. But you can go get Nord right now for sixty eight percent off. It's like Nord VPN, which had some problems. We know what sometimes if they make it out of those problems, uh, you're you're better for it. Did you know um, our university provides that as a <laughs> as a faculty staff? Oh, does it benefit at a discount? I didn't know at that. a discount. I think but, it's almost the exact same. Price but you can get it for two ninety nine a month right now, sixty eight percent off. Surfshark Exp- Express VPNs down fifty percent. Cyber Ghost, whatever that is, eighty four percent off. Not an endorsement of any of these, but this is a good time to go out and buy anything. Kevin, you have your eye on any any tech gadgets or anything Black Friday or Christmas wise? Yeah, the, the kids are all about smartwatches. Okay. Uh, so that's that's probably high on the list. I'm not a, I'm an Android user. Yeah. So, um, you know, not the Apple fan. All the kids are the Apple users. Okay. Uh, so that's that's probably one out there. But my shopping generally now I've transitioned. So I was always a tech guy, always a gadget guy. Wanted to have all of the cool toys, tools. Yeah. For the kids or anybody else in the household or wherever. Um, now I'm starting to try to find things that uh, require a relationship or a partnership to do something. So, okay. well, it is, I mean, something as simple as a deck of cards, right? Yeah, I mean, right. You can't can play solitaire, but it's not a whole lot of fun. So yeah. um, <laughs> I, have, I have older kids, so they are, uh, well, they're not kids anymore, right? I have, yeah. <laughs> they're, you, they're you have three college. adult children, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have adult children. Um, so their interests are obviously transition quite a bit so now the the games are all revolve around adult beverages for the most part so <laughs> right. uh, there might be a few games that involve adult adult beverages yeah yeah absolutely i for, yeah for me i'm not look i don't i'm not much of a gadget guy either i have you know i have a smartwatch. i have an apple watch because i do have apple product um and i can tell you what your kids will use it most for telling what time it is <laughs> We've been doing that for years on our wrist, <laughs> but the one this, this is a clock with a phone app. I know that's right. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. The my my probably my favorite thing that I regularly do on my watch, other than tell time, is when I do two factor off for work, and I can approve it via my watch because it has the app integration, and I feel like Maxwell Smart, like get, I'm, I'm or like 007. Like I, it's pretty cool. Like I, sometimes I'll still just be in my office. I'll hit the, I'll hit two factor, wait for the approval. I hit the approval, and then I kind of look around with like, yeah, that's right. I just did that because like, it. I mean, we were high. We were, we were balling out of control when we had calculator watches, like in the late '80s. You know what I mean? <laughs> Do you Apple Pay with your watch at the grocery store? No, no, because uh, I, I I don't, and I don't know that technology. I trust it. I think it's probably stable enough, um, but I, I'm still tactile on my payment methods. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can see new. from a security standpoint, definitely can understand that. But that's where the kids, you know, they they hold their watch up against whatever yeah. chip card reader that's there and pay for whatever they need through apple pay yeah, you want yeah. you want to out people as being old i still pay with cash yeah yeah so. you do <laughs> mike's cash only mike what are you looking for I, anything this this christmas I, season for you that honestly <clears throat> recently well, i should say recently a few months ago with my birthday i asked for hardware shelves so it's not tech at all Just oh like hardware like for the shelving for, <laughs> for the garage shelving hardware shelving <laughs> so. all right yeah i mean i, I get it can't say there's much tech I'm looking at. To be honest, I think we, I think Jim and I were talking about it one time. We get real excited if we get access to free dirt. How old do you have to be? Like, oh, you got some, you got some fill, you got some backfill. I can just get free dirt dropped off in my house to do whatever projects I need. Like, why does dirt get me excited? Yeah, so I'd, I'm not too much of a tech gadget guy, but we still see all of these tech gadgets out there um, that are, you know, there's some interesting stuff. But I went to the water cooler yeah, late last week, and uh, just get 
a cold glass of water, right? And I'm thinking I'd stand there. So I use my Keurig more for iced tea more than <laughs> hot beverages. Just fill a glass of ice water and then you yeah. brew the tea, right? And I'm thinking, man, how great would it be if I just could pour that into a Keurig cup and I'd have it in my own tub. So now I'm starting to design this in my head. You know how quick <laughs> my mind works, right? I, I'm putting, you know, like this, they should have this. So of course I went online and you can purchase that. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. But now, so that's on my list. If you, anyone here looking to buy something, I, I, need a, I want a personal <laughs> device that I just pour from Make the water cooler tea. water in and get lemonade or iced tea or whatever out of it. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll, I'll keep that in mind when I don't buy you a gift. I'm getting you the exact same thing I got you last year. So um, the thing I did last year, uh, I, I did a simp- I have simply safe. Don't mind putting that out there. Um, not again, not a sponsor of the show, but if you are looking to upgrade like home security, if you want cameras on the outside or, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of smart devices, but security is where those things are kind of hooked up and in, interconnected. Um, I, I mean, the sales around this time of year last year were killer. So I was getting outdoor cameras 50% off, and they're pretty they're pretty pricey, a little hard to get these days. Um, we did pretty good last year on that. I think you did that too, didn't you, Mike? I did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a good uh, cost uh, experience because yeah. we had just ended our contract with our larger vendor that yeah. was doing our security system that was way outdated, and they wanted us to upgrade everything and, and pay full price and all that stuff. But the Simply Safe option, I could redo everything for like a quarter of the cost. So yeah. Yep. Functioned mostly well. I think I had a little bit of issues getting the camera synced in with my Wi Fi, but other than that, yeah. working pretty good. Mine's been pretty good for me. Um, battery battery life on the cameras is pretty good. They're battery powered outdoor. Um, yeah, I like it pretty well. The one thing I did get uh, the boy, he always gets some technology. So, Coop, he's my 12 year old. Um, I got him a, like a, a robot arm. So if you think of like, like he lost his arm in an accident. <laughs> yes, I got him a robotic <laughs> arm. Yeah, unfortunately, we had a, a yeah a terrible snowblower accident the first no, um, no for like his desktop. So it's only you know the base of it might be like nine inches by six inches or something like that. But it's a like a like a a, a pneumatic arm that has multiple points of articulation. You can pick stuff up and you can twist and do all you know and do all things. But you have to hook it into your PC and write the code to actually operate it. So I'm. I might be. I don't know if he's gonna like it, but I'm pretty excited to get yeah, it out totally. and to put it is together. That, Kevin, Kevin, was that a you, Nintendo that had that? Was it like, a, like an arm? Like a, back in the you could program or you could do some like simple movements. Yeah, I think they I did. Think what was that, Kevin? Sounds like our CIM lab back in the exactly. Yeah, technology. Yeah, CIMT. I remember those You're doing PLC stuff. Yeah. So like Jim's looking them up right now, but he these are the types of arms that we got. Yeah, but simple cheap the, the the project i'm working on now and I'll, i might do something so um working with the the helium network and iot network with the helium gear yeah and just playing around with sensors you know whether i mean something as simple as a garage opener but I, i'm kind of interested in tracking people and you know for, <laughs> he said just, it folks I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first where, where people are going but i mean so digital placemaking i mean yeah. that's the, the big buzzword now um, I'll, that's food for thought for our next conversation, but yeah, um, I think that's going to be. I'm, so I'm playing around with that right now. Those are the gadgets that I have around. Yeah, you need parking to get... lot sensors. I want to know when there was a car parked in my driveway. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. Well, if you, we do need to talk about that because I, I think I want to know if, if my camera doesn't catch somebody, what else can I see people moving around? Right. Like... Absolutely. So yeah, we're putting. Uh, I mean, from a business standpoint, we're we're putting them in schools. Yeah. Right now we have one proof of concept where we're going to track the drivers coming in students leaving it's that one of the middle schools so based on the address of the phone we can we don't know that it's matt trampsy right but we know that somebody's walking around and you can see where they're moving uh so ultimately we make decisions on traffic flow at, at school buildings for buses yeah, the, the parents, laser turret doesn't care who you are laser turret doesn't <laughs> care it's yeah. gonna shoot you in the park <laughs> in a business sense so you put it downtown and you can know who's right. walking where and where they're headed and you now yeah. you can use that for good data yeah, and, and to help you adjust infrastructure spend and, and things like yep. that. Traffic flows, yeah. walking Absolutely. patterns. I mean, a lot of things, good things. Can, er, a lot of urban development topics can come out of that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we are, we've are we taken up a significant amount of your time, young man. And uh, thank you, Kevin, for joining the show. It was a fun conversation. It's always great to hang out with you. Um, but I appreciate your time. Uh, we don't want to keep you anymore, but thanks for you know being a partner with CyberTap. We appreciate that. We appreciate what you're doing in your community for 
uh, all your students, getting them connected and getting devices in their hands so that uh, everybody has, um, you know, more of an opportunity to, to, to go places with their life, right? It's, no, it's not an understatement, to, you know, when you talk about educating young minds and, and the importance of that and the opportunity to, to break out of, you know, family curses or to, to lift themselves up and improve their lives through education. And we, we see what you're doing over there and we appreciate it. And thanks again for joining the show. Absolutely. Appreciate it being on. And uh, if you need another holiday guest filler, give me a call. All right. The, the OKS guest that you can answer. That's, right. That's right. <laughs> Kevin, well, thank you for being the OKS guest we've ever had. No, uh, we appreciate it. And uh, we always, as always, appreciate all of our listener or listeners. We've got a couple. Um, thank you for tuning in. If you want to reach out to us, you know how to get a hold of us. We're at cybertapodcast at purdue.edu. We'd love to hear from you. Mike, thanks. Jim, Eric, Kevin, see you guys later. Thanks a bunch. Bye. Thank you, Eric. Have a Yep, same to you, buddy.